Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sally O'Malley. I'm proud to say I'm 50 years old. I'm not one of those gals who's afraid to hide her age, unlike some other gals. And I like to kick, stretch, and kick. I'm 50. 50 years old. I'm 50. 50 years old. Uh, (laughs) I remember watching this like 20 years ago thinking, woo, 50 years old. And uh, this is my first time preaching since I'm 50, 50 years old. And uh, yeah, give it up for Jesus that I'm still around, man. Got a a ton of life left. Uh, (laughs) But I just thought that was crazy because I used to watch that. And, uh, you know, it's wild to see how life moves on and God remains good. And I used to say it this way. He is good, but he just keeps getting gooder and gooder. Thankful for who he is and glad you guys are here this morning. We have the opportunity to bring the word to you. Um, The truth is there's been a whole lot going on over the last several months for me. And I won't dive into all of it, but I will say that I did have a fantastic, and I didn't get a chance to share this on a Sunday morning, a fantastic, amazing 50th birthday. And I mean, church, y'all blessed my socks off. Um, It was just unbelievable. I said it before, but just the culture of honor here. And I told PG, and like, I don't really want anything major. And then, and and they were for completely honoring of that. But man, just to be able to experience Um, Just kind of some of the gratitude that I felt even from people, it made me feel like, God, I made a good decision 30 plus years ago to be in this place. Amen. Amen. And, you know, the truth is also, you know, I'm coming up uh, on what is a very, very necessary vacation. And, you know, it's been a long time since I've done that. And again, pastors have said, hey, man, you need to take a break. You need to take some time. And I've always got an excuse. Well, my team and I need to make sure I got multiple keyboard players and people that can do it and that they can carry it and do the stuff and the thing. And then and I'm realizing it's like, hold up, hold up. You got to get out the way a little bit to let other folks do what they do so they can carry, which is why I had Raymond just pop up on the keyboard. He didn't know he was coming up to my keyboard. But it's another generation of people carrying the vision. Amen. Moving things forward, taking their part, taking their place. This is not in my notes, but if this is for you and you're new to this house and you're new to what God is doing around here and you're not familiar or fully experienced with what this atmosphere is is, or you don't necessarily know us that well, can I just encourage you that you would be connecting your life to something that is strong. You would be connecting your life to a vision that has lasted 30 plus years. You would be connecting your life to a group of people who are imperfect. Amen. Amen. But we are led by the Spirit of God. We have been careful to try to be as, as, 
as uh, open as we can. We've been careful to try to be as flexible and changing with the times and the seasons. We've been careful to try to continue to hear the word of the Lord over what he's saying to this house. And so I just encourage you, man, if you're new to this place or you're newer, dig your heels in, plant your life in, let God transform you through the power of the organism of the local church. Say amen. That's a good thing to dig your life into. And so as I'm now 50, there's a lot of stuff that I had expectations of that I've not necessarily been walking in. But there are more things that I never imagined, dreamed, fathomed in my wildest dreams would I have experienced or thought that I'd be able to experience some of the things that God has let me walk in. And can I tell you, the, the journey that I've been on, and I feel like over this next couple of weeks when I do take this, this vacation, um, I think I'm going to finally have a time to just kind of stop and reflect and think about some of the life lessons and some of the journeys, again, that I've been through and we've been through as a church. And so I'm just going to be real transparent this morning and just share my heart a little bit with you because I feel like as we head into this next season, there's so much stuff that's ahead of us. There are so many things that, you know, it's kind of, it sounds like a cliche, but I genuinely believe that the best is yet to come for this house. I really believe that. I really believe that your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. I, I mean, I genuinely believe that some of the stuff that maybe you've walked through and maybe there have been, there have been mountains that you've gone around multiple times or maybe there have been scenarios that you just haven't felt like you could completely break through. I really believe that God wants to work those things in us in this coming season. So that's kind of what we're going to share about a little bit today. So we're talking about supernatural, picking up a little bit where Pastor Richard left off. And how many of you enjoyed Pastor Micah and Pastor Chelsea last week? Wasn't that great? Uh, it was, it's all good. It was, it was, I see y'all moving though. Thank you. Uh, but it was, it was awesome to me because I remembered being 29. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there thinking like, oh, wow, yeah, I remember when I was 29. And I was still kind of fighting for identity and fighting for, you know, a lot of the people that were in the ministry around me were older. When I came on the scene, I was the young buck. The 20, came in at 20, 21 years old and really had to try to establish who I was in God and, you know, it's very interesting because how many of you know that God will send people across your path to test you? <laughs> He'll put people in your life that will challenge what you think you have inside of you. And they rub you and do whatever they got to do. Sometimes it's, you know, the iron and sharpening iron. Uh, sometimes it's just a gnat that's flying around your head and you want to get rid of me, whatever it looks like. But there was, there were so many times where I remembered, like, trying to establish myself as a leader because I didn't see myself the way that God saw me. And I had to try to figure that out uh, on the job training. And I, and I remember so many days of being tested by different scenarios that I found myself in. And all that to say, I'm just grateful that I believe that the whole thing about longevity, there's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about just having lived some life experiences. There's something to be said about having just gone through some tests that you can't read in a book and somebody can't tell you from something that they wrote or an article. It's just when you walk through some life, you're like, oh, okay, I'm stronger than I thought I was. 
I'm more resilient than I thought I was. God is as good as I hoped he would be and even better. And so I'm just enjoying this ride. And I'll, I'll jump into the word, but I've always said, I like old people. I do. I like them. I like your, and I don't know where you feel like you classify in that, in that spot, but I like your stories. I like your experiences. I like your attitude most of the time. I like, I, I like the fact that, you know, one of the things I'm kind of getting more and more to the place of, you know what? I don't sweat the small stuff. I stop sweating some of the stuff that just really, at the end of the day, it don't matter. Right? God don't care. You can do what you want. Some choices you can make. I stop sweating stuff. And it's been so liberating. I stopped caring to a certain degree what people think about me. Man, that's good news. So, amen. So I'm just getting that off my chest. So 50. I'm 50 years old. Okay. So turn with me over to Genesis chapter 3. And that's where the verses. And I'm going to actually use my. Oh, man. Speaking of 50. All right. I need somebody in the back. I got some readers in the back on the table back there. I call them my old mans. I, got, I need my readers to see this. So let's just talk amongst yourself for a second. <laughs> Anybody got some readers? Maybe like minus 1.5 or something? They're sitting on the table. There's some black. There, there they are. Thank you. Thank you, Misha. Right? Somebody said these are lifesavers. Thank you, Jesus, for readers. So in, in a, oh, I can see Matt, in, in a Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 8 is where we're going to jump in. And it says here, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. We want to stop right there because there's a lot of places you want to be and there's a place that you don't want to be, and that is away from the presence of God. I don't know what your, what your circumstances might be or what you might be going through in your life, but the worst possible decision you can make is to pull away from the things of God, from the things of the kingdom, from the presence of God. We always find it very interesting because when people go through stuff, you know what we can typically tell that it's an assignment from hell is when they start to isolate themselves. When somebody's been around and been in the loop and been kind of connected and then all of a sudden they just fall off the face of the globe, it's usually red flag, warning, they're isolating, they're pulling themselves away from the thing, from the community, from the stuff that can strengthen their lives. So we find here that Adam and Eve in verse 8, they had pulled themselves away from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, where are you? Now understand, that's a rhetorical question. God knew where he was at. But what he was doing with Adam was saying, I need you in this scenario that you're in to take inventory of where you are. Take a minute to think about where you really are in your emotion. Where are you at in the way that you're looking at God right now? Where are you at in your perspective or your perception of who you feel God to be? Are you angry at God because you didn't have a scenario that you thought you would? Are you 
insecure about who he's called you to be because you're in a spot that you didn't feel like you had the grace to do? Are you feeling grateful and thankful that God has opened up doors for you that you've never thought you'd experience? The Bible's showing you right here, God is saying through Adam and Eve, he's saying, hey, where are you? Take some inventory about what's happening with your life. Now, if you're taking notes today, we're talking about being supernatural. And if you want to uh, write this down, the word natural, which I thought was amazing, the first definition that I saw of the word natural is this, not made or caused by humankind. Watch that. So that word natural, we're talking about supernatural, but the word natural by definition means not made or caused by humankind. In other words, you could almost say super, super. <laughs> because God created it. Because anything that's in its natural state was something that man didn't have to conjure up or make happen or keep going. Are you tracking with that? I mean, I think that's a pretty cool, or a pretty cool concept, that natural, that your natural state. Um, I know in my community and in my family that I grew up in, if my sisters uh, went to their natural state in their hair, <laughs> it was natural. And sometimes they would go to the fro and... You know, and there was this always conversations around <laughs> what, what is good, what is chic, what is beauty, what is not. But man, when they went to that natural, they, all they had to do was grease that stuff up. And sometimes it'd be a fro, whatever it was, but the natural state, because that's how God made them. Amen. Beautiful. You want cornrows? Have your cornrows. You want a fro? Have a fro. You want to straighten it? You want to buy some hair? Do what you, do what you want to do. <laughs> But the natural state is not made or caused by human hands. And if you're taking notes, this is another good thing to write down. The great thing about that whole concept of natural is this. All I have to be is natural. God is responsible for the super. It takes the pressure off. I don't have to try to be Something I'm not. I don't have to try to figure out how you think I should be. I don't have to try to conjure up something. It's much less energy to just really be your authentic self. It's so much better and way less having to go around mountains if you can just be your authentic self who God made you to be. And it's interesting because as I was doing this research, I looked at my journal and I had a daily devotional. And I think you wrote this down. If you did, Misha, I'm going to give you that whole quote. There was a verse, actually, yeah, a, a, a part of my devotional said this. A man by the name of Morgan Snyder wrote this. Haunted by fear of failure and taunted by what we lack, we form caricatures to deny our vulnerability and survive independently. Yet, here's what I want to get to today for the rest of the day. Yet, the self-protective man is not the truest us. Continue, take it down for a sec and give me your eyeballs. What that passage is saying 
the person that you try to protect yourself to be, the picture, the facade, the stuff that we put on, the stuff that we want to fit into somebody's mode or expectation of us. Do you know that he's saying here that it's not the truest you? It's not the real you. In other words, it's not the natural you. It's not the human, the person that was the, the thing that was not made by humankind. And I found so much and so often we find ourselves in this society where people are putting up the front, man. God. Y'all, I can't be, I can't tell some of the stuff that I've been dealing with in the last season. But it is crazy to me how many times I've found that you look on, again, we all know, thank God for social media. It is a great tool. We utilize it here at this church. We believe in it. We, we press on it. It's a great source for the kingdom to be advanced. But how many of you know there's a whole lot of people not being their truest selves? And then you read through and you see whatever it is that they're experiencing, you think. And the saddest part of this is, if I read the rest of that statement, it says this. Um, Yet self-protective man is not the truest us. The truest reality of, it says masculine because this is a male uh, devotional, but personal. The truest reality of a person's soul is that we are inheritors of the original goodness magnificently crafted in the image of God. That's the truest you. That's the simplest you. It's the you that has every quirk, every idiosyncrasy, everything that your, you know, your significant other ones, others have found a way to live with. <laughs> it's the it's the, the times when you should be feeling authority or power or confidence and you're insecure. It's the times when uh, you have to pull yourself off of the, the, the cliff or the ledge of, of vanity. It's, it's all of the stuff that's uniquely and truly and significantly and the most, I don't know, it's the most authentically you. And the energy that I've learned to reserve by just going ahead and being myself. Do you know when I first started preaching here, and it didn't take very long for this, but I realized I'm just not Pastor Richard. <laughs> right? I'm studying for this message, and I'm thinking, I don't know how that dude does it every single week. <laughs> I mean, he has a new word, a fresh revelation. Different scriptures. It's like a full-on term paper every week. I'm like, I am not made like that. But I am who I am. And y'all know, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to sweat a lot. <laughs> We're going to go through some life experiences. But I'm comfortable enough to say, no, no, no. I want to be the truest me that I can be because that's the only thing that God can endorse. And I'll say this as well. The moment that you hang on to something, an ideal or a facade or whatever else it is, you then eliminate God's power to work miraculously through you. Do you know that? 
if I'm hanging on to all the other stuff that it, 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 it basically thwarts God's power from being able to actually authentically work in and through you. So turn with me over to Matthew chapter 16. And this is where we'll land with the bulk of the text today. Matthew chapter 16. And we'll look at verse 13. And I'm using my actual Bible, by the way, because uh, I've been teaching Bible school. And um, for the last three weeks, I had a chance to teach Bible school uh, to Mercy City. By the way, if any of those guys are watching, Mercy City in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's been really fun. I've loved technology, and we've done it through Zoom. So I'll teach for the first 45 minutes. And then they had, they had remarkable, excellent questions. So usually the question-answer time has been my most favorite, and I'll do that for about 30 minutes or so. But I've found in teaching that Bible school that there is something incomparable about this word. And I found that I love technology, as I said. I love my iPad. I love my phone. I love all the digital stuff. But man, when I started opening up these pages again, and I started underlining stuff and highlighting verses and, and going back through places that I'd learned when I was 20. And I and got some scriptures that I started to dig my life into and said, God, this is, I can, I can bank my life on this. Man, there's just something about it. So I just want to encourage you, maybe in this next season, pull out your Bible. Yeah, pull out the physical word of God and look at the richness that jumps off of these pages because it's the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God that has the power to save your life. So in, Gen excuse me, so in Matthew chapter 16, this is the story of Jesus having been around his disciples for a minute. And it says in verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. In verse 15, and he said to them, I'm not asking about everybody who's outside of the camp. I'm asking, who do you say that I am? Who do you, as a believer, say that God is in your life? Who is he to you? Is he a healer to you? Is he your best friend? Is he a confidant? Is he, is, he your, is he the one that you run to? Is he an afterthought? Come on. Rather than your first resort, right? Is he your, your, you know, an afterthought for you? Who is he to you? So Jesus is very specific with his disciples and he asks them, I know what everybody else says, but it's important to me that you have a revelation yourself of who I am. So the next verse goes on and says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon Peter, remember the guy who had the big, you know, the whole deal, said a lot of stuff. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Hold up right there. Verse 17 to me, is a perfect picture of what it is that God is requiring of us as his believers to understand. Number one is to understand that he is God. 
that he is the perfect lamb of God, that he is the son of God, that he, again, he's the all-powerful, almighty, magnificent, wonderful God. But here's the part that I saw in this verse that I hadn't seen before. It goes on to describe the fact that it had to be something that was revelatory by the spirit of God. In other words, man couldn't tell you some of the backstory of what was going on. God had to be the one that revealed that to Peter. Can I say this to y'all? We are living in a time where it is so important that you are able to decipher between what is spirit and what is natural. Yeah. I mean, it is so important because every decision that you're making and all the stuff that's pressing our society right now and all the things that we're having to walk out and, and dance around and I'm just so grateful we've gotten back to the place where we can be in this building and we're not afraid. And, and again, if you're, still we if you're wearing your mask, God bless you, we understand it. But I'm just thankful that we've started to walk through some of those phases. But do you know we had to be led by the Spirit of God? We couldn't just go by what some guy told us. Or even what some, whatever it was, we had to know that God was speaking to us in these scenarios. And I love this passage because Jesus said, he says, Peter, hey, check it out. Even though you are the one who spouts off, you got a short fuse, you got a quick trigger, <laughs> you, you get yourself in trouble with your tongue. He said, the fact that I can use your natural, I can use you. If, you're, if you happen to be someone who talks a lot or is in a scenario or, or you're shy or you are whatever you're, I love this scenario because it says that Jesus could use whomever was willing and yielded to the spirit of God. So Peter gets this revelation that no man could have told him. And Jesus says to him, because of that, this is what I'm going to do in verse 18. Um, no, I'll read 17 again. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, 18 says, And I also say to you that you are now Peter, and on this rock of revelation I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And it goes on and he talks about him predicting his death. Now I'm going to finish the rest of these verses in a moment. But I'm looking at the church. And I'm thinking about where we are. And I'm considering the fact that it's just become very interesting to me that the priority and the importance and the significance of the house of God in many places and in many people's lives has been questioned. It's interesting to me. We've had conversations with pastors across the country. Many of them haven't been able to reboot their churches after, after this pandemic. Many of them have gotten a fraction of the people that they had before in the house of God. Many of them are unsure. And I will say this, that it's been healthy for the church to have to evaluate and say, where are you? Right? We did that. Evaluating, where are you? Are you still using 
antiquated old techniques to reach the, the people, to, to share the gospel? Are you a day late and a dollar short? Are you still using, you know, I was just talking about this before service. Are you still using, you know, VCRs? <laughs> or have you found a way to come into what God's doing now? But when, once you ask that question, then it's unmistakable and undeniable that the only thing Jesus promised to endorse was his church, was the local church. And he said that the revelation that Peter had been given is what I'm going to do to establish my church, not just now, but for all generations to come. I'm going to do it on somebody who has a quick trigger, has a big mouth sometimes, who gets himself in trouble, but also has the, uh, the uh, ability to hear the revelation of heaven. I hope that's not going over your head. So it's important that we are multifunctional people. We get the natural side, but the spiritual component is so significant because we're not just dealing with flesh and blood. So the rest of the passage goes on and says this. Verse 2, or, uh, verse 21 says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And then Peter took him aside. And Peter, who had just gotten revelation three verses earlier, <laughs> pulls Jesus aside and he says, He begins to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus remembers the time that he was out in the wilderness being tested by the devil and he said, Peter sounds just like the devil right now. <laughs> That's what he says. And he says, I ain't talking about Peter. I'm talking about the spirit that Peter's speaking out of. Is anybody catching that? Yes. So I ain't just talking about the person who's talking to you and having a conversation with you. I'm talking about the spirit that's coming out of what they're saying. And he says it's going to be that, that I'm going to have the ability to build my church on, on people who are perceptive enough to hear beyond just the words. To hear beyond just what's happening through somebody's lips, but to hear the heart that's coming behind it. And I hope this is not too heavy, but, but what I'm saying is as we are, as we are, as we are aware of God's spirit, He's going to lead us to making the right choices. So the last part here says, he turned to Peter and he said, hey, get behind me, Satan. He didn't say Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan, because I hear where this is coming from. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And this is where we'll close. Verse 24 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find their life. 30 years of trying to walk this out coming into 50 years old. Coming into reflections of seasons. Coming through moments and times 
where it was just saying, God, I kill my flesh to pursue what you have for me. God, I just want to be willing to do whatever you ask me to do. I don't have to have all the answers. It doesn't have to be my comfortable place. It may be a spot that's unsure to me. But God, I just want to be willing to fulfill that, that thing for which you've created me. And it says here, he who loses his life, for my sake, you're going to find it. Oh, you're going to find it. And the last part of this verse, it says in verse 26, for what, you all know the verse, right? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father and in his angels, and then he will regard each according to his works. Jamisha, I didn't give you this scripture, but I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. It says, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you should once completely reject and disown your whole life. <laughs> and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it on your own as you continually surrender to my ways. Verse 25 of the Passion says it this way, because if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually, somebody say continually. You will continually, oh, she does have it. Oh, good job, Jamisha. I'm going to read off the screen. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover what kind of life? The true life, the authentic life, the natural life, not the man-made kind, but true life. It says, but if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. Next verse. Yeah. For... For, for I was like, yeah. And for even if you were to gain all the wealth and power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life, what good would it be? And what could be more valuable than your own soul? Give me your eyeballs and we'll quit right there. In 50 years, 50 years old. I had somebody tell me years ago, I'll be careful how I present it, but I never forgot this. I had somebody tell me, I will never need money again. Like he literally told me, I don't need any more money. I don't have to, what I'm doing for my job does not require, I don't need any more money. I got enough money that I'm blessed, my kids are blessed, and my kids' kids will be blessed for the rest of their life. So everything I do from this point in my life is gravy. And I had them tell me this story. And I had conversations and moments where you look at somebody and you think, dang, you ain't got to worry about a bill the rest of your life. Not one, not one concern. Can you imagine? Can y'all imagine that? I mean, it's hard for me to fathom that. But I realized, basically, in the same breath, that it wasn't profiting a man.
to have the entire world but lose his soul. It didn't matter. It didn't matter all the stuff we spend so much time trying to attain and gain and, and whatever it is, whether it's posture, fame, whatever. And I'm just resolved to say, Lord, please let the rest of my life be about more than trying to attain stuff. Because at the end of the day, stuff don't matter, man. It just doesn't. Now, I'd rather have stuff than not have stuff, right? I'd rather, I'd rather be provided for than to struggle. But if a person can look me in the eye and say, I'll never want for money again, and on the other side of it now, seasons later, life and family and all the stuff that you spent your time, your energy, your efforts in are all crumbling around you? What's it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? But Jesus said, if you will, if you will lose your own life and in this landing here, what I realized is the whole danger of the option of church and us kind of finding our new normal is that in so many cases, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not in your home, so I don't know, but I know it's gotten a lot easier to offer God a portion of your life than your whole life. Can I be that honest? Am I telling the truth? Come on, y'all. Right? You can't tell me it has not been easier for us to back off of. And when I talk about, I'm not talking about being in the building. Every, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the consistency of how we're living our lives and, and pressing into who God is and saying, I want you to have my finances and my marriage and my kids and my calling and all this stuff. I just have resolved I'd rather lose my life to find God's continually, daily, is what the word says. I love Jesus. I told the Bible school students last week, I am more excited about Jesus now than I was the day I started in 1993. I have a greater expectation about what God can do. Now we've learned a few things along the way. I can at the end of the day say that we've tried to pe treat people with dignity and honor and try to do the rest, the best we could by people. If you've ever been hurt by anybody in this church or on this staff, first of all, welcome to humanity. <laughs> Second of all, I'm sorry. Like legit. Like we didn't get into this to hurt people. We, we didn't, we didn't sow so our lives to, to offend you or to cause you to, to stumble. We really genuinely didn't and haven't and aren't. But can I tell you, if you, will, if you will sell your life out to the things of God. Is it Sean? Sean? Is that you? Come here. I have a track. Can you play that behind me? We're almost done. 
Stand right here if you would. I wouldn't normally do this first service because we're on live stream, so hopefully you're not freaked out by this. Say again. He's like, well, you should have asked me like before you <laughs> snatching me up here and stuff. <laughs> I talked to you for the first time, what, two weeks ago? Or was it this past Wednesday? A Wednesday ago. I just know that I know that I know that the season that you're coming into as you are surrendering your life like you never have before. Yep, that's it. That's it. Come here. And this is called just a natural, supernatural moment for you. Right? But I know that I know that the way you're leaning into God right now is significant for your life. And that whatever the past has held and whatever you're bringing to the table, all the baggage, all the life, all the stuff, I'm telling you like I know my name, that scripture is for you. And God's saying, if you will sell your life, if you will sell out, I will continually show you my show you your life. I'll continually, daily, you're gonna grow. You're going to experience stuff you never thought you would. You're going to see the hand of God on your life like you've never. Do you receive that? He does. Lift up your hands. Let's pray for him, guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, man, this service was for you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the word of the Lord upon this man. I thank you, God, that he who loses his life for my sake will find it continually. The purpose, the plan, the desire. Lord, the restoration. I speak restoration over everything you've walked through in your life. I speak restoration over your family, over your finances, over your physical body. And I just ask you, Lord God, right now, as he decides to lean into his purpose now like never before, God, there's going to be a marking even of this day, Lord, that things will never be the same for Sean. And I thank you, Lord God, that your word is true. It doesn't profit a man to lose, to gain the world and lose his soul, but he's finding his in you. And we thank you for this moment in your presence. In Jesus' name. I didn't mean embarrassment. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you today. You're awesome, man. Oh, you're good. I was just saying that. He's like, I don't know what to do. Come on, give him a hand. Give Jesus a hand. Oh, I love his presence. Come on, a little bit more. It might have just been for Sean today. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh. Oh, what an awesome God. Oh, what an awesome God. We're done. Bow your heads, but I'm going to pray. Father, we never leave this room without giving people the chance and the opportunity to experience you. And I ask you, Spirit of God, that you would come and breathe in this place and 
If there's anybody by the, under the sound of my voice, whether it's in the room or by way of live stream, if you don't know Jesus and you haven't made him your on-ramp and you don't have the experience with him or relationship with him, now is your moment. Now is your time. This is it. I don't have a long plea about it. I'm just telling you there's no better way than to lose your life for him because you'll find yours in him. So today, just repeat after me, church. Say, Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to lose myself in you. I freely give my life to you. I lay it down so I can pick up yours. Forgive me for all the things I brought to the table in failure. Wash me clean, change my life, and I will live for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If you meant that today, maybe you've done it again. Just put your hands together for Jesus one more time. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.